You are listening to the Holistic Travel Nurse Podcast. Thanks for stopping in. Thanks for listening. So I usually started this podcast to encourage and to inspire people to live a more holistic and natural way of lifestyle. I don't think people understand even what that is. Um, that's going back to whole foods, going back to nutrition, decreasing the toxins that your body's been exposed to that cause disease. It's getting back to the root cause of disease and going there and our Western medicine where they just give out medications most of the times are just treatments. They're not treating the root cause and a lot of the issues. They're treatment. And so I have an episode. Um, I read her book first. Um, this I got these whole series online, found this, that they did this um, um, this thing at this church and I wish there was more of them and education and freedom rally and I've been just in prayer going you know how do I not comply with the mandates but yet we're doing it at work we're doing most things at work because they're making us wear the mask at work and all this bullshit and it's like how do we fight back and we need to be more self-sufficient so I'm thinking I want to you know, start being more self-sufficient. I think, you know, I want to get sponsors for this podcast. So I'm looking for sponsors that are Patriot mind. Um, I sponsor other people. Uh, maybe they sponsor me and this is how we, um, get away from that corporate nastiness. So if you listen, or if you know somebody that would know how to, um, be interested in sponsoring my podcast, I'm looking for sponsorships. I have, um, reached almost 9,000 downloads. I'm not a huge one, but I'm out there and I'm trying to be a truth and a light to the darkness that is upon us. So with that said, let's play this and enjoy. She recognized the importance and and did that. And, um, Next there is my husband, David. Um, I think I wrote in our book, Plague of Corruption, uh, which we'll see here in a minute. Uh, there aren't very many husbands who would um, lose everything to keep his wife out of jail. It wasn't to get his wife out of jail. It, it was that he was not going to silence me. And so it really never matters. He just do it anyway, is basically. And, and that's what uh, he talks about. And next to him is um, dear friend um, Regan Harris and she suffered for a decade um, in this plague of corruption and, and we'll talk about um, you know what happened to these patients really the victims of this plague of corruption so um, <laughs> what I'm going to talk about today I call it pandemic and beyond which is what COVID is. And we're writing a a last book, hopefully. (laughs) Kent tells me I'm never going to get to be free of him. Uh, (laughs) And and I do. He's not here today, but uh, Kent Heckin Lively is a hero. So when, when I was let out of jail, I was virtually silenced with a virtual gag order um, for more than five years, as you heard in the first Free and the Brave conference. And at that time, um, 
I could only talk, text, email a lawyer or family. Uh, so Kent wrote, and he has a severely injured daughter, um, and Kent wrote an email and said we'd been working together, um, and we'll talk about it. Uh, and he just basically said, I'm a lawyer. And so he taped with his severely injured daughter screaming in one ear and me in, in screaming in the other ear, driving around my car so David wouldn't uh, have to hear this over and over again. He did as a lawyer does. He taped every word I said, transcribed it into a legal format. We have literally thousands of pages and chapters um, that he's turned into these three books. And so, you know, without him, <coughs> the, the trauma that I was under <coughs> when I got out of jail, um, it just, you know, you just, he had to break it down and he made it funny. Um, and, and it really is funny. Um, and we can see he really puts the human in it. And, and it, it's just delightful um, uh, to um, work with Kent and, and I appreciate it. So um, our last book is called Ending Plague, A Scholar's Obligation in an Age of Corruption. And the first author there that we'll feature is Dr. Frank Rossetti. Frank Rossetti is my mentor of 30, eight years. He calls it purgatory. <laughs> he always has. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, you know, maybe maybe he'll get out of jail here if he ever finishes this book. So um, one of the things that was really important about this book is, um, you know, what is a scholar's obligation? And a scholar's obligation is to produce knowledge. A scholar's obligation is also to communicate that knowledge, that truth, um, as the data, no matter what, without any kind of interpretation or bias. So for Frank Rossetti, you never went to a lab meeting. I never once used statistics in my 30 years of science. You either have data and retroviruses and, and diseases associated with them or, or you don't. And um, so he would not let you change the science or show any kind of interpretation. And thanks to that, our October 8, 2000 nine science paper um, really just could not be denied because it was very clear there were lots of strains and how it came through a contaminated blood supply and vaccines so um, what what the scholars in this audience the scholars in every field have failed to do is stand up for the knowledge and no matter the cost. And this is what we're called to do, as we know biblically, um, we're called to, if it comes to lose everything, um, you tell the truth. And, and that's what we did. So, what, what I'm gonna do, um, hopefully over the next 45 minutes and not two days, um, is <laughs> explain to you, um, you know, if you can recognize and follow the history of, of what happened over 30 years and how, why Tony Fauci, the federal government, the FDA, the NIH, show you a little of what David Martin showed you last night from another perspective, from this straight scientific perspective, um, I'm 
37 years a lab rat. I, ho I loved it in the biosafety level three because um, I wasn't afraid of HIV or anything else. Um, <clears throat> so here is um, the, the uh, slide we made decades ago, um, how political influence on scientific research impacts us all. And so, um, you know what what happened with HIV, and this was the this was the really the last slide or the last part of Plandemic Part One, and and I explained to Mickey Willis the the Plandemic movie was supposed to be a promotional video for Plague of Corruption, so that it would sell um, sell Plague of Corruption, and and what I explained to Mickey what ended up in tears there where we had to just keep cutting it um, <clears throat> was. The politics, the thing, silence equals death. So every AIDS meeting I went to as a technician in 1982, Frank and I confirmed Luc Montagnier's isolation of uh, HIV from, let's see if I can make that work, confirmed the isolation of HIV um, in, from the same patients um, with, with the same uh, immunological deficiencies. Uh, this is an electron micrograph of the HIV virus. Um, <clears throat> and at the time, the drugs were used wrong. They, were, they refused to let us use natural products, prophylaxis, type 1 interferon, things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. They used things like AZT in the, in the antiretroviral inhibitors, and I'll show you a lot of that in the talk. They used it wrong at the wrong time of the disease. Uh, when Magic Johnson was found to have an antibody to the virus, seroconverted uh, in a routine um, for his job, uh, insurance test on November 7, 1991. One week later, I defended my PhD thesis at um, George Washington University. And all the thesis defense committee asked me is, based on the, the molecular biology of your thesis, which was HIV latency, dormancy, keep it quiet. The immune system can control HIV, Ebola, anything. We're wonderfully and fearfully made um, by God, and we could defeat this. So they asked me, based on your thesis, will he or will he not die of AIDS? And what we have to remember is his courage, because at the time, those drugs are really dangerous. Don't take those. Um, you know, don't do anything. Just wait until your immune system falls apart. That's the complete collapse of the immune system is AIDS, acquired immune deficiency. And I said, and I walked through painstakingly um, the molecular biology that showed, um, and, and this is the talk I gave you last time, so there are many scholars in this audience who suffered through that um, six months ago. So <laughs> um, I showed how, how the monocyte macrophage and, and the innate immune response was critical to um, um, clearing these viruses and when you bypass the innate immune response um, and and when you allow the the um, virus to replicate unchecked it's the imbalanced response to the virus it's the crippling of the immune system that progresses to AIDS and we'll show that so at the time um, when we wrote the, our first book um, the book um, Randy um, Randy Schiltz the band played on so it was a book and it was a movie the band played on and I, it took me an hour last night to put that, um, that red line through cause. Because what, what my PhD thesis showed for the first time is that um, what, we, what we thought 
Many deaths were what many deaths occurred before the establishment, before the government believed in a retroviral cause. But what my PhD thesis and work by uh, people like Peter Duisberg and others were screaming is that <clears throat> the retrovirus isn't the cause of the disease because um, we now know millions of Americans and we knew after that at a molecular level that if you could block the activation of latency um, and for people who had a deletion in a, in a receptor called CCR5 that stopped the interaction between the innate immune response and the adaptive immune response, the T cell that was dying, medicine knew and they knew that <laughs> one in 10,000 T cells were infected and all of them were dying and they called them bystander effects. And it's like, well, that's really scientific. And I started my PhD thesis in 1987 working on that. And the hypothesis was there's another shooter in the immune system. Something else is going on. But Tony Fauci was skewing everything towards um, his IL-2, interleukin-2 and other T cell patents um, and, and not towards curing. So they, they did not care. What we learned was there were many factors important in the development of chronic diseases associated with retrovirus. Critical is early recognition and immune suppressive um, therapy um, is, is beneficial early. So they killed millions of people worldwide and these data were very clear from the beginning. So this is our first book, Plague. And, and what we learned and, and what, um, what Regan um, suffers from and has suffered from for most of her adult life, probably, what, 30 years, um, is um, the retroviruses, a new family of retroviruses. So on October um, 9th or 8th, 2009, we published this paper in the journal Science, and I just used a cartoon um, because at that time, and that's the discovery, the paper, um, everything is detailed in the book Plague of Corruption, and it's called One Scientist's Intrepid Search for um, the Truth About Human Retroviruses, um, Chronic Fatigue Syndrome, Autism, and Other Diseases. Um, and Frank Rossetti said at the time, like the plague of the Middle Ages, um, this is politics and not science. We thought, as in HIV, AIDS, it was the contamination of the blood supply um, that was the critical issue. And I showed those data on March 29, 2011, um, that the blood supply was essentially 10% or more contaminated. Um, and Harvey Alter, then Alaska Award winner in Shai Shing Lo, confirmed our studies as we confirmed Luke Montagnier's studies. And what, what they found um, was um, many strains of virus associated, but confirmed our work that they were what was called XMRV, xenotropic murine leukemia virus, retrovirus, so related retrovirus. So they had done a PCR <clears throat> for the envelope and the gag, which is the spike protein in the conserve region, which everybody now appreciates PCR, so I don't have to go into that. That's Bob Silverman and DeRisi, Joe DeRisi, um, used the technology, and they hypothesized that men with a particular genetic defect, that's the inability to gobble up RNA viruses, they're called RNases, as fast as um, some people, and this is critical, some people, primarily blacks, um, blacks, Hispanics, people of color, indigenous people, 10% of this country have a single nucleotide change in, in that RNAs, that, that 
Pac-Man to gobble up. There are many RNases that RNA in the blood is a danger signal. RNA outside the cell is, is bad and your immune system sees it. It turns on the type 1 interferon pathway. It turns on those, interfer those interferons, RNases, and degrades it. Um, so um, they never isolated the virus or associated with the disease. Never, and SARS-CoV-2, so we'll get there, has not, that has not been done either. So what we, what we did was, I was working in prostate cancer drug development because <coughs> inflammation drives aggressive prostate cancer. We knew the molecular markers, we knew the cytokine storm. Um, unfortunately, before I finished my PhD, um, my stepfather died of it. In fact, the only reason I entered the PhD program because I never wanted to be a member of that club was because he had lost his first wife, his second wife, he had five kids, and he was 57 years old when he was diagnosed with a very aggressive prostate cancer. Um, and he said, Judy, there's something in this house. And I hear you. And he said, the minute they did the treatment, the surgery, you could feel the, the, the change. You could feel the move. And with Frank's expertise in hematopoiesis, and it's a long story of TGF-beta, the, the inflammatory cytokines that regulate the immune response. So again, you've got a over hyperactive immune response that you can't turn off the flame. Inflammation driving the most aggressive um, cancers. And um, this is, so I knew from make, doing drug development in prostate cancer, a drug I'll show you later, that that drug would have worked um, in CFS. I knew from, I, I didn't know the patients at that time. Again, it was 1987. Um, <clears throat> He died two years later while I was um, studying um, for my oral final, and, um, and, and we knew then. We knew then there was an association of viruses, and this has been covered up in, in cancer and a lot of disease, and that's, that's why Frank Rossetti said, like the plague of the Middle Ages, this is politics and not science. So. We, we spin fast forward to 2014 um, and this matters today and I also um, it, for, with COVID-19 and Tony Fauci's fraud um, and here's another RNA virus um, and Harold Varmus and I, I put this in last night because with what um, Dave was talking about with um, 1999. So Harold Varmus in 1909 was a, the NIH director who started and implemented what's called the Xenotransplantation Program. And, and um, so xenografts for cancer research, xeno means foreign, foreign just like xenotropic, uh, xenotropic murine leukemia virus. It's, it's, a, it's a mouse virus in a human and, um, or a monkey virus um, as we see with SARS-CoV-2 and Ebola. So when in 19, between 1992 and 98, my postdoctoral research, I started associating mechanisms of how these viruses cause disease. It's not the infection. It's the dysregulated immune response, which is what my PhD showed. And, and we published a, a number of papers for the inflammatory on-off switch um, trans, starts transcription factor, nuclear factor, kappa B, NF kappa B, the DNA methylation. I'll show you a little bit now how viruses, one mechanism, how viruses are silenced. But here 
During that, um, between 1992 and 1998, I was working in USAMRID's um, biosafety level four with Ebola viruses, with bat viruses. And the problem with the virus is you can't study it if you don't, if you can't grow it. It uses all of the host cell machinery in order to replicate itself. So when Ebola outbreaks and, and other outbreaks like hantaviruses and things like that, so they have those right here in that quote in the middle. In so, so many infectious diseases of animals can be transmitted to humans via routine exposure, consumption of animals um, like rabies, injection, um, and viruses that are not pathogenic in their natural host reservoirs, like the mouse, picking that up through the polio virus vaccine, which is um, and where it came from from the beginning. That's chapter five of our book, Plague. And you can find the first cases of autism and MECFS in this country. And it clearly said when you pass the polio virus through mouse brains to, to get to attenuate it with the immune system to make it weaker, um, you could pick up a dormant virus. And that's exactly what happened with the mouse viruses. And at the time of HIV, um, HIV wasn't killing everybody, but who died? Clearly, people are dying just like now in COVID. So who died? Um, people who had HIV and XMRV at the same time. So what Shaixing Lo and, and Harvey Alter did was they went to a box in the freezer that Shaixing Lo had kept for more than 25 years, and it said non-HIV AIDS, and it was women, children, healthcare workers. Um, I don't want to cuss, but remember that woman that said, "Oh, healthcare workers, we'll give it, we'll give it to healthcare workers. They deserve it." Um, and and you'll see from our book that they infected healthcare workers. So we like me, lab workers, doctors, nurses. That's nosocomial spread, and they took these viruses home and spread them through their family as they were denied and called crazy, and and their kids weren't sick and had kids, and and again. Um, contaminated blood and body fluid. So that was non-HIV AIDS because it was women, children, healthcare workers, and there was no evidence of HIV. So HIV didn't cause AIDS. Um, and, and so in the summer of 2011, when the blood supply was heavily contaminated, when it was clear there were many viruses associated um, with the many strains associated with contaminated blood supply for three decades, because these women were not stopped from donating blood. They were crazy. They got no health care. Um, the, the virus spread through their bodies, made them sicker and sicker, and it's a living hell, um, as Regan can tell you, where the, some of the patients have such severe um, fibromyalgia, pain syndromes, cognitive um, distress that um, you can't even put a blanket on them. They, I, I went to Europe, to the UK and Ireland where they had tremendous problems, and I'll never forget one lady um, who'd been in a... They have to pad the walls because any sound would make you scream. The light couldn't, hadn't been in light. The blanket was four feet over her, and she'd been that way for a decade. She had huge, horrible lesions everywhere on her skin. Um, and I literally couldn't stay in the room without passing out. And, and how her family lived there <clears throat> and survived decades. They don't 
die. Um, you know, and so in, in, in the summer of 2011, I call it when, when Ian Lipkin, Tony Fauci, the Tony Fauci never does it. He never says it to you. Um, Dave used the perfect word yesterday. It's plausible deniability. So all his minions do it. He's the, he's the little man with no balls in the Wizard of Oz beating, beating up the little girl and the little girl and, and the dog. And so, um, uh, <coughs> You know, Shaixing, after our paper was published, and this is the good news about how it got in the Journal of Science. Thank God for Frank Rossetti. He never sent something through channels it, since HIV, since, since that work, and since what happened to Luke Montadier, where Fauci and Gallo engineered to take credit for the discovery, keep the test away from the people for a decade, drive those therapies, spread it through Africa, through the hepatitis, B vaccine spread because the hepatitis B vaccine in the beginning was human blood products. It wasn't a recombinant vaccine. It was a combination of things and, and made from cell lines and it was carrying um, the XMRVs. So the people that died in, in the first wave were the people who had both HIV and XMRV. And this is where my big mouth gets me in trouble with respect to what's happening in COVID-19 because they were waterboarding me um, and saying, come on, Judy, XMRV doesn't exist. They do everything they can to get scientists to not realize what the data is and, and to get you to, it, it's really tough what they do to you, um, you know, and, and the threats and everything. So through the summer of 2011, um, again, I. I I first showed that the blood supply was heavily contaminated on March 29, 2011, in a New York Academy of Sciences meeting um, with um, with Ian Lipkin, um, who was on that paper that was discussed um, yesterday, and um, as to who's committing the trouble. And, and after XMRV went away, Tony Fauci gave Ian Lipkin $32 million grant for a new center, and he funded Ralph Barrick. So in case I forget to say that later on, uh, you know where the plague of corruption starts. But at any rate, he, they said, come on, Judy, there's no such thing as XMRV or HIV. AIDS patients would have it. And I said, exhume them, I'll wait because they died in the first wave. They murdered those people. You got both viruses. You took out your adaptive immune response. You took out your innate immune response. Um, and I was pissed off, um, to say the least. So, in, so Harold Varmus in 1999 knew that when you use xenotransplantations, we didn't do anything to the HIV infected, and I'll show that later on. You can take a virus that's highly pathogenic in a new host species. And, and then those like hantavirus, influenza, hanta, Ebola, they're listed right here. And, and what I show in the inset is Kent and Amber Brantley. So I'm working in Fort Detrick with Ebola. I've got it in the cell line Vero E6. Remember, Vero grows our polio vaccines. Um, Vero monkey kidney cells is where we grow our polio vaccines. Um, 
and I've got, I finally not killed the cells. I finally found a cell line that wouldn't die. In the Vero cell line, we did single cell cloning to find the most effective in the type one interferon, and that was the well of a 96 well plate. It's called letter E6, right down. This is how you do these things. You grow up, and so why Tony Fauci can never say a word is, I know how the sausage was made. I made it. Um, and so what happened in, in, in 2014 um, when William Thompson finally confessed that black boys, Hispanics, who got MMR vaccine before they were three years old um, were two to four times more likely to get autism. So they, um, so for almost 15 years, my hero, uh, one of my heroes, Brian Hooker, Dr. Brian Hooker, who dogged with Freedom of Information Act, the CDC and, and, and um, William Thompson, and finally got him on the phone, <clears throat> finally got him on the phone and he admitted it in 2014. So our book was already in press. Our first book was already impressed, and I thought it was just a plague of disease, and it was all science. And that's the day I realized, you know, because they covered up the signal. They destroyed the data that said, and what, what is it about MMR? Well, MMR is three RNA viruses. So if you can't degrade it as fast, if you make more antibodies, we're gonna talk about antibody-dependent enhancement all day and pathogenic priming, um, why some people get sick and others don't, you know, and that, that's it. So what did Tony Fauci do in 2014? Oh, he released Ebola uh, from Fort Detrick on, um, the Liberians from Sierra Leone killed 21,000 um, Liberians, and he sent it there through uh, Christian missionaries. And one of those Christian missionaries was Kent um, Brantley. He's a doctor, and the doctor who was his boss, um, John, you can read about him in the thing. He now heads Ventura County Healthcare. So the God in all of it is we knew them. We knew them, and what did, it was clear Kent was the head of the people who sprayed everybody down with chlorine, who um, uh, um, had the mask on. They were, had all the suits on, and he um, and he and Nurse Nancy um, got exposed, and they could tell from the book, and it's a very short read, um, but it's a fabulous read, that, that this was aerosolized. So what did the CDC do? Oh, Ebola in the air. This is an NPR from this December of 2014. Ebola in the air, what science says about how the virus spreads. Oh, well, measles goes six feet, but these large water droplets that Ebola, it's just like COVID. They just keep repeating, as we said last night, the same thing and thinking they're going, getting away with it. So the large water droplets um, only go three feet, so it's not contagious. So they simply redefine contagious with Ebola and used it in, to serve their own purposes. So what John, uh, Dr. John did is he, he used hydroxychloroquine. He stopped a deadly Ebola outbreak that killed everybody but Kent, Nurse Nancy, and a little boy. And this is a fabulous read. And what's really fun about this is 
near the end of the story, um, what does what does Tony Fauci do? So they they bring they John stabilized Kent and got him through the worst of it. Got him in a dark room, gave him saline infusions, um, gave him hydroxychloroquine, um, and they prayed over him. They're they're Christians, and they prayed and prayed and prayed and kept him calm. You know, and that they, this says you know how um, you know working for God. It's called for life in the biblical sense. Um, and and it's, it's a great read, but at the end of the book is the key because um, Tony Fauci, um, after he was stabilized, they brought him over to the U.S. in the summer of 2014. And Tony Fauci stood next to President, then President Obama. And remember, they went to the CDC. They went to the CDC and oh, this they had this magic serum from California. What the other thing John did was give the convalescent serum um, from that little boy to Kent Brantley along with the hydroxychloroquine. You know, give him some help, give a good, strong man's immune system. They're anti-malarial drugs. He was afraid of a malarial infection. If you take out both halves of the immune system, like I said, with HIV and XMRVs, then you die, then you get the disease. So keep your immune system strong and, and let it fight it. And, and so, you know, Tony Fauci, the CDC, that was right when Senator Posey of uh, Florida was going to go to Congress and, and force William Thompson to admit it. And you can follow all of these in the book. And so Obama, after Kent got well, um, invited him to the White House. And it was really clear. And, and he didn't appreciate it. And, and John and his family became fearful and said, Judy, please. Um, because when they realized, when I explained this book to them um, in 2014, um, while I'm still silenced and, and our book is still coming out at this time, it wasn't out until November 18th. Um, and this book was, uh, this obviously happened earlier. So um, what, what Kent, he, Obama and Fauci were trying to figure out is did Kent and John know? Did they know this was infectious, contagious Ebola? They called it, they covered it up, they called it Ebola Zaire. Um, and my work showed the difference in pathogenicity from Ebola Zaire to Ebola Reston. You know, how does a Ebola virus get to Reston, Virginia? You know, it's, I mean, these people are so stupid. Um, that to, they, I mean, it's clear as day, um, as Dave showed, it's clear as day how they cover their tracks. So the difference between a non-pathogenic strain and the pathogenic strain is the cytokine storm in monocytes. Exactly what my PhD thesis said. Um, it was literally the exact same signature of disease. And what other disease had the exact same signature? Oh, MECFS associated with XMRV. So these aren't retroviral causes, they're associations, and you don't have to get the disease to be a cause. Everybody with the infection has to get the disease. And so we know the immune system can be kept healthy and, and deal with that. So Obama wanted Kent at the White House with Fauci to figure out if he knew, and he clearly didn't at the time. So it could have stopped then. 
So um, this is the creation of COVID-19, and I adapted Dr. Tenpenny here's slide. She gave me a slide a few years ago about the dangers of use of animal tissues in vaccine, and that really is the subject of plague of corruption. So we wrote plague of corruption about the dangers of animal tissues. So the minute I saw um, Brian Hooker's data, where William Thompson wrote in his notebook, what are we gonna do about the problem with the blacks? And, and sent an email to every member of the CDC, everything. What are we gonna do? Well, what our work, what Plague revealed, is you cannot use animal tissues, animal cell lines, aborted fetal tissue cell line shown here. Um, the PER6 is the one used in the J&J &J and AstraZeneca vaccine. So you're getting the endogenous, the, the genome, the 8% of our genome, and I'll show you, virome, the virome that is used to educate our innate immune responses, God-given, God-given, and, and very important. And you're putting in another animals, because mammals, animals, I, I, I found um, since it in, in lizards um, when I looked it up. So. Um, uh, in these cell lines. So you've got bovine serum, you've got bird, chicken eggs, and the influenza virus. So you're carrying in coronaviruses, influenza viruses, and retroviruses. And they recombine, which was the key to the studies that took us out, um, was that in only two weeks in a fermenter, you could introduce mutations, see if I can get that in there, you could introduce the mutations by serial culture. What is serial culture? Just keep growing the cells. Every single lot of vaccine in a 200 liter fermenter, every single lot of polio vaccine is a serial culture. And what Dr. Um, Shi Zheng Li and Barrick called the technology is noceum, because you could introduce the, the mutation and then you wouldn't see it because you'd keep serial culturing. So at the end of the time, another fraud and criminal, Dr. John Cohen, published a paper in the summer of 2011 where he showed um, that, um, where he said pre-XMRV1 and pre-XMRV2 only once, and we called it the immaculate recombination, I apologize, in our book Plague, that's chapter eight, because he said, oh, it can only happen once. And yet in that same paper, he showed many strains. So what they did with our work was say it could only be VP62 because Science the Journal made us say an infectious. And I fought it and fought it and fought it in the title. So the infectious molecular synthetic clone, which is basically what we're working with with SARS-CoV-2, never before isolated from a human disease, isolated from vero monkey kidney cells, where you have SIV, where you have XMRVs. They're in the lab. They're in the papers October of 2011. By that time, I was out of the lab. My data of 40 years locked down every computer, everything, so that nobody could see this. And they thought um, that we'd shut up anyway. But um, <laughs> as you might notice, I do have a photographic memory, thanks to my mother. And I know the date and the time. So there's a really, <laughs> there's a really good reason. <clears throat> 
as Dave said, when you know the truth, it just keeps coming out the same. There's a really good reason why I never got a day in court. Well, this data, we filed a, a, a whistleblower lawsuit in 2014 when we realized, you know, what really was going on. Took Kent three years to figure it out. Um, didn't have any other person to talk to. And um, in those three years, we filed all the data <clears throat> with patients and, and people like, like Regan and many other of the patients. We had a patient overseas who took a screenshot of the gene sequence from the database. Took a screenshot of the gene sequence from the database um, and, and knew that they'd used the new CM technology to change the splice acceptor and donor site. And that paper by John Coffin published in Science in 2011, um, June 2nd, is, is fraud. And uh, criminal fraud. So they made up this story, they made up these things as we see all along. You absolutely cannot use any animal tissues in vaccines. So here's Tony Fauci where we saw last week perjure himself to Rand Paul for decades of these gain of function studies um, with crimes against humanity that numbers Zika, Ebola, bird flu, swine flu as we saw last night when we had the honest pre um, media um, in 1976. So age-inappropriate vaccination. I'm just going to touch on this because we know the mechanisms. We know how we stay strong. We know how our God-given immunity. We know we have everything so that right now we fear nothing, you know, but God. We don't fear the vaccinated. We don't fear the unvaccinated. We don't wear the mask. We don't create fear. Um, we, we don't do anything because we know how to fix this. This is age-inappropriate vaccination equals the explosion of chronic disease. I just show you a figure from a trends immunology paper from 2015 that I used in vaccine court. And vaccine court is a critical part and a critical chapter in the story because vaccine court gives no liability as we heard last night in the movie. So you're liability free unless you found a manufacturing defect. What did we just find in 2011? The manufacturing defect was you cannot use as your manufacturing plant animal cell lines, aborted fetal tissues without risking recombination and in serial passage and the, and the evolution, accelerated evolution of pathogenic viruses, which is exactly what COVID-19 is a cover-up of. So we're, you're suppressed. You don't need to know the mechanisms, but we know them. You're immune suppressed in pregnant, so you don't reject the fetus. Um, a, a protein we're going to hear a lot about, um, the envelope protein of XMRV. We have that ancient syncytin, and I won't talk about it more, but when the baby's born, the, the syncytin is not expressed. So the hormone control of the immune system, the innate immunity so you can adapt the microbiome and the virome so that you can educate the virome is critically important. You know, the immune system is not static. It changes with age. You cannot give anything at puberty. You cannot give anything at, in pregnancy. Why would you inject a needle full of toxin when you won't drink a glass of wine. It's just insanity. <clears throat> so, here is the uh, pop 
population susceptible and literally everybody with the asterisks there it's MECFS it's cancer 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 it's the explosion of chronic disease fibromyalgia OCD psychosis PTSD our military they're under stress they're going to war um, they're injected with everything like those athletes like uh, Magic Johnson as part of their so-called job so we have to stop this um, this medical racism um, but the symptomology as we know it's not a disease for COVID-19 is the imbalanced host response to the spike protein and and so the everybody with the asterisk already has that imbalanced host response that same cytokine signature of disease um, in in the leukemias there's prostate cancers ovarian cancers neuroendocrine cancers um, caused by animal viruses Lou Gehrig's disease we have bucket challenges and all we ever knew was Lou Gehrig 20 years ago this is the explosion of disease and this is a graph we used in HIV AIDS and I just changed under the AIDS because that's acquired immune deficiencies you're not born that way God made us perfect we are not born that way they are not our fault autoimmune disease the expression of your endogenous profile is not your fault so you 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 get you dysregulate the natural killer cells and the T and B cells and it's that synergistic toxicity that that c continued activation of the immune system fever arthralgia uh, the the malaise your immune system gets it under control and and we're going to talk a lot more about that and the latency period can be years now we've turned things like HTLV1 associated disease where that that it's called um, HTLV1 associated myelopathy that looks like multiple sclerosis you can see that acutely in less than a year because all the other toxins and the synergistic and the hammering of these people with vaccines. So I'm just gonna to touch on this a minute because we're born and we didn't know this until 2004. My entire career, we didn't know this. We're born with 8% of our genome composed of these sequences. So you're going to test positive if you're expressing syncytin. Who's gonna do that? Young women during certain phases of their menstrual cycle. The, 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 the hormone responsive parts of that. The, the herb envelope, human endogenous retroviruses ha, are, are, are co-opted. They're used for pregnancy related purposes. They're used to implant the embryo and the feed into the uterine wall like Velcro. So expression of syncytin syncytia in a retrovirologist world are fused cells so when i said under in those micrograph uh, in those um books and in our growth that i could see under the microscope a retrovirus i'm looking for fused cells i'm looking for the expression of the of the envelope it's not the presence it's the expression so and this um it's called the um long terminal repeat it's the on and off switch for the transcriptional regulation keep these off you know so but there's a basal expression of these retroviruses in healthy tissues because its job is to evolve the immune system the human innate immunity that type 1 interferon response primarily that communication teach the natural killer cells the natural killer cells recognize tumor cells and viral infected cells 
and the and the they have a don't eat me sign expressed on the cell surface so they're going to eat everything that doesn't have the don't eat me sign called the killer inhibitory receptor this it's an important part of our basic god-given biology that we're disrupting so here's a 2004 paper 2004 that shows syncytin expressed in the brain and spinal cord myalgic encephalomyelitis is inflammation of the brain and the spinal cord um, so, uh, multiple sclerosis is a different kind of inflammation where that inflammatory cytokine storm right here reactive oxygen species interleukin 1 beta the, the the macrophages they can't turn off the pathogenic priming they just eat holes into the myelin sheet and and so such that um, they, they destroy the communication of the spinal cord um, down to the rest of the body tissue so it's the it's the activated the hyperimmune response that does all of the damage um, in, in these diseases. So keep the virus silent, keep it latent, just like my PhD thesis says, and, and have its normal expression, do its normal job, and you're fine. So as we said briefly last night, as, um, as, as Dave said, are these vaccines or chemical pathogens? Well, as we know, the spike protein causes disease. So what are these va vaccines? They're not vaccines, these shots. Oh, you've introduced the spike protein in a synthetic lipid nanoparticle and nobody knows what this, what's in the middle of it to this day as we discussed last night. And yet the spike protein is the HIV envelope from the Vero monkey kidney cells, the XMRV envelope from syncytin um, and, and the other mouse syncytins. They cross-react with every re reagent we use and that's why they had to get the reagents out of my lab and the proof out of our lab. And the SARS receptor binding domain, the ACE2 receptors. So now you think about the blood clots, you think about everything going on. You've got the endothelium, you've got the capillaries um, and I'll show a little bit more of that. So that syncytin is like Velcro. Now it's starting to look like a prion, an infectious protein, because it's like a domino effect where, where it's misfolded, gets outside the cell, and the syncytin sticks everything together, um, and, and you've got a blood clot. And, and, and that's a plausible mechanism um, for his plausible deniability. Um, so we know these things don't prevent transmission. Uh, and all the data showed that. Um, and, and, and talks by people like Gert and Bosch and everything talk about the problem we're going to see once people where all their immune system and all their energy is targeted to this synthetic pathogen that just made every cell in their body a manufacturing plant for the virus. Because this, we don't know, and this is not degraded like normal cell membranes um, shown here. And so it's a huge, huge, huge problem. So all the way back in 2013, after I was let out of jail, this comes from another of our colleagues at the University of Virginia, Gary Owens' lab, where a month after our paper was published in Science, we had a meeting uh, at the Cleveland Clinic where, um, where um, I can't say his name, Silverman was from, um, and, and what this work, what he said during that meeting 
what he showed that he had in, he had isolated a cardiotropic virus. He's a cardiologist. His researcher is in inflammatory cardiology. He had isolated a cardiotropic virus that he had called XMRV2. And, and the gatekeepers of science, John Coffin, who was leading this meeting, said, you can't call it XMRV. You're not a phylogenist. You're not a virologist. Yeah. So we, uh, then I showed my data, our data, and... Um, and, and obviously, um, we were very lonely at dinner, but I went down. Mira was a PhD, an MD-PhD student who had to publish her work. So we took the B4RV, and if you remember from our first paper, 67 out of 101 people were positive. 67 out of 101. I handed her our box of samples. You know what the other 101? <laughs> B4RV. You know, and so they were essentially 100% positive for a strain associated with a different kind of phenotypic expression, a different kind of disease, um, cardiac disease. And, um, and what you see there is that, that when John Coffin, in the, in the corrupt um, uh, propaganda that's called journals, our journals right now, um, allowed them to publish the, the paper in this form, he called it B4RV, you know, so that the smart people in the XMRV community and the patients wouldn't recognize that it was, in fact, XMRV2, that the name it's changed to uh, protect the guilty. Um, so the proteins alone induce changes in microvasculature. What do we have in COVID? That's not a coronavirus. That's uh, that similarities to the same vascular pathologies seen in ME/CFS, cancer, autism, AIDS, and vaccine injuries. It's in. That's a quote from that paper. That the and and so the here down in the very bottom inset, standards vaccines increase HIV transcription expression during antiretroviral therapy. So we got a little problem here. We never vaccinated HIV infected until 2011. And, and now the game is kill them. Who are the first they're giving? You know, those people in, in nursing homes, um, blacks, Hispanics, to friends in the guise of racial, racial justice, uh, the people who got it nosocomial, me, the infections. So now they're gonna force this vaccine, which will absolutely kill, and I know Sherry's gonna talk about it later, you know, 25 million Americans right out the gate, and, and they're killing them now with those inflammatory diseases you saw on that slide. At the last study that was fraud, the control group was 6%. 6% when they said, oh, they can't reproduce their own work. No, 6% had evidence of infection by at least two mechanisms. 6% patient, 6% control. That's because they didn't put any patients in the study, and that's in our books. So you've got 6%. That's 25 times HIV AIDS in this country. That it was only 1 million Americans. And 1 million Americans. And look what it costs us when the blood supply was found contaminated. So over those 30 years, now it doesn't matter if the blood supply is contaminated because they removed all liability. Now it doesn't matter if the vaccines are contaminated because they removed all liability. So when we showed that the manufacturing plant, the cell lines, were, was causing the disease, that brought back liability. So what did they do? The Bruchewitz decision. So watch 1986theact.com. So they led the, the DOJ and the corrupt DOJ led the way to make sure, certain that um, 
that there would be no liability for anything and and so that they could cover this up and they wouldn't have to pay for it to the tune of billions of dollars so i just show you for the magnetics and i know carrie madea is going to talk about this a lot later but we know how to engineer um, genetically encoded our ferritin gene put on this protein ink for um, pac 4a and this is a 2019 study and i left the authors in there china denmark China by way of Stanford, you know, again, the cabal that are the universities that get these grants. Um, and and as, as I'm sure David Martin will talk a lot about, the problem with the magnets before, as my brother said quite um, well the other day, Judy, is this real? Because um, I have trouble getting two pieces of paper to stick to the refrigerator magnet. Well, what the problem was, was that the magnets didn't stick. And so we found this paper, my friend um, Dr. Connie found this paper um, last week to show that when they engineered this, they could, be, because of this protein, PAC, PAC Inc. 4, um, Inc. A, it, it would form its own, it literally is a self-assembling virus, and that can package, like a virus, enough ferritin, so they express ferritin in the same G to have 9,000 times. So this is like a chemokine, a trafficking molecule. So they could literally take the cells and, and send them to the sites of inflammation, which is which causes the damage, the overexpression as the immune system can't um, be turned out. But so what I mostly wanted to talk today about is we have solutions. So this was one of the other things. Methylation. Keep your methylation machinery healthy. We know our soils are contaminated. Um, our methionine in the diet is the methyl donor um, for methylation reactions. But dimethylglycine and trimethylglycine, this was a book, this is a nutrition book that is just fabulous from the early 80s. You know, when, when we were using these things, cancer, autism, cardiovascular disease, turn the gene off, stop the expression of the virus either through natural products, through nutrition like dimethylglycine, trimethylglycine, and, and 5-azocytidine, we use that clinically um, in order to turn back on tumor suppressor genes um, that can then stop the tumor genesis, and, and that's a drug we develop um, in the lab throughout the 30 years. But what we know is retroviruses, heavy metals, GMOs, environmental toxins, they're all in the vaccines, but all, not just the vaccines. They're the drivers of accelerated disease evolution. So we're accelerating these dangerous virus in your the incubator because of the recombination events because you don't keep that 8% of the genome um, silenced. And so we need to, and, and, and human DNA, uh, de-evolution, I forgot the de-evolution, we're dumbing down America. We're, we're causing cancer. We're killing people because we've crippled our immune system. All those people that are dying younger and younger and younger from these toxins injected over and over. The brain disease, the autism, the cardiovascular disease. Um, these kids dropping dead on the athletic field after Gardasil, which the lipid nanoparticle is a virus-like particle that previously was the most deadly vaccine. So um, we developed this drug, Anustat, and that's exactly what it means. It's an Anustat. So it, it it's a normalizes cellular metabolism and reboots the immune response. We've worked on that 15 years. We've gone through, and it was a private company. They used all of their own money, $20 million, um, beautiful um, 
man Jim Dow, who died last year before this got before this got approved, um, and and the FDA makes you bribe them to get in line. It never got FDA approval. It would have stopped Ebola. It would have stopped. We can use this at pennies on the dollar. It's a combination and a syner taking advantage of synergies of four natural products. We can also use cannabis, cannabinoids. They're antiviral and re reduced inflammation. They turn off the flame. They're the dimmer switch on the immune system. And, and we took them out of our, our, our environment. Everything. They're so healing for pain. It's a critical part. What they do is shift to that type 1 interferon response. That poly-IC is the mimetic that looks like an RNA virus to the immune system. And here's your bacterial immune system and responses. So we've got this explosion that can be silenced with cannabinoids. Here's your sermon, which I talked about a bit last night, but it's important to show you again. It's an anti-parasitic. What did John do for Kent? To use a parasite, don't take out that part of the immune response. Keep that part of the immune response healthy. You, um, in the 80s, it was one of the first drugs we pulled off the shelf, recognizing its mechanism of action, that we tried it in, in clinical trials of another retrovirus-associated cancer. It actually helped prostate cancer and bladder cancer. They used it wrong. They used it at too high a dose. We said it last night, clinical trials once they saw our paper in autism in, in San Diego, low, low dose, the half-life is two months. You know, use these things correctly um, and, and you can heal. Uh, again, they took the drug, the kids got their lives back and they took the drug away from everybody. We have solutions, we just have to end the, the plague of corruption. You know, 21st century AIDS, the total collapse of the immune systems of millions is the creating disease. Vaccines masquerading is curative therapies. But we can strengthen the immune response, both with the therapeutic interventions. I show here what we know. Type 1 interferon as, as a drug that never made it to market. It's the, All of this is in our last book. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, those neutralizing antibodies. But you can also use these various inhibitors, specific inhibitors of interleukin-6, specific inhibitors of these pathways that we develop over the whole 40 years of um, my, well, 35, they kept me out for a while, <laughs> but uh, that we developed over the years. All you have to do is target things towards this type 1 interferon response, get the normal inflammation, which allows the development of the adaptive T cell response, the antibody producing cells. You know, you can do it prophylactically in the genetically susceptible, um, and you can do it in the healthy prophylactically. These are the things we can do now to protect ourselves um, from the, the, the vaccinated. We don't have to stop loving. We don't have to ask who they are. We can return everything. Use these things. Use, you can use the ivermectin as a cream. You can keep these things the, in, in African countries and other countries where they didn't get any deaths from COVID. These are on the shelf every year. These are on the shelf every year. They're essential medicines. And what is that corrupt? criminal WHO do, keep it away from the kids. Keep it away from everybody. It's pennies on the dollar because, of course, they can't patent it. And when you know what cures, you know what cause. So here are the natural products. You know, zinc, Paximmune is, a, is a, a spray of type 1 interferon from bovine in saline. Um, costs about $100 a month. It'll be in your nasal pharyngeal cavity. That will never turn into a virus particle. 
it will gobble that up like the Pac-Man should you be one with the interferon deficiencies. And these slides were made um, by a friend, by a genomics diagnostic company that with your gene can tell you exactly how to target these drugs. We can do personalized medicine, and they won't let you. Insurance companies won't pay for it. Um, prophylaxis, vitamin C, vitamin D, curcumin, carbohydrate binding antigens like green tea catectins or resveratrol, um, melatonin, potently antiviral, um, and, and allows you to sleep. And if you can't sleep, you can't heal, and your lymphatics can't clear toxins from your brains. Um, zinc, on and on again. It's, we've known this. We've known this for a year. The minute we saw evidence of COVID, we proposed this. We proposed um, Anustat. We proposed the Paximmune. We proposed everything. You know, let's get this out. Um, and of course, um, we weren't heard, our, we were censored, and our voices were silent. So the masks, because we were asked last night, there's new kinds of nanofibers. This is probably our most heavily censored book, Case Against the Mask, 10 Reasons Why Mask You Should Be Limited. There's a right place and right time for prophylactics. These things are contaminated in the street. Mommy, look, I, somebody dropped their immune system. Um, but here's the, look at the nanofibers. You can start nano. These are all going into the cell, so you're enhancing the disease, not only because you're suffocating yourself and creating your own pers personal climate change with inhaling your own CO2, you're, you're creating, you're create, you're inhaling as you breathe deeper and deeper. You breathe these into the lungs, and they can cause lung cancer. So should I have worn a mask on that plane, which I kept saying, no, I can't, because we know the XMRVs will drive lung cancer, and we know I'm infected. No, I can't. I have lung cancer. I won't do it. Um, and so um, I guess I should have known about the, um, so in concluding um, here, I do the call to action and I actually made this slide um, a couple years ago, standing on the street corner in Oxnard, trying to fight the corruption that was SB 276 to, would remove all medical exemptions from people who had already been vaccine injured. And some moms with their vaccine injured kids called me, and, and you, I, you might be able to see down here, but there's, there's a sweet little girl um, right here, a little three-year-old back here, and, and she, I said, honey, what sign do you think I should hold up? And, and she handed me that sign. Until you wake up, we will fight for you, and, and we will continue to fight for you, and we won't ever give up. The call to action remains the same. Um, the call to action remains the same. Um, we need to end all of this. We can take all those patent royalties and compensate the victims of this 35-year plague of corruption. Yet fear is the disease. Fear is the disease. Um, we have faith. Together we can restore faith in the promise of science. Our faith is not in science. It's in the promise of science. But to do that, we need integrity. Thank you very much. Okay, so what her um, slide shows, I just thought I would share it because this is probably one of the best um, podcasts I ever recorded. It says repeal the 1996 um, National Vaccine Injury Act, enact immediate um, mediators all vaccines until they are entirely vaccine schedule is safe and tested in mandating and restore liability to all convict criminal in CDC, FDA, NIH, crimes against humanity, eliminate um, advisory committees of immune practice, 
I, I do what you think all of it will happen I, I, we live in a very fallen world very fallen world and what this whole episode was is exposing Satan's lies right here and then ways to repel it and I'm going to send this episode to friends that need to listen to it listen friends you need to be doing what you can for your own health and you need to be educating yourself and not relying on someone in a white coat to tell you to put injections in your body that's what I have to say that's my opinion you take it and go do your own research God bless <laughs>